Hello everyone, welcome to mastermind.fm. This is Jean Galea and with me today I have Joseph Galea who's my dad and Frank Stefan who's the CEO and founder of Landery.net. Landery is a software platform that sits on top the trading exchange for crypto Bitfinex which is very well known for leveraged trading and therefore Landery helps investors make better returns from lending money on Bitfinex. So we'll get into the weeds on how all this works, how leverage trading works, the risks and rewards. And I think it was a very interesting episode for what is something that a platform that is quite unique as a service as well. It's not common for me to come across systems like this. So I was very intrigued by how it all works and what are the possible risks. I think Frank was very honest and open about everything. And so I highly encourage you to listen to this episode if you have any interest in crypto or lending even if you've been involved maybe in p2p lending in the past it's um i think it's a similar return risk reward strategy that you can apply to lending to leverage traders and so i found it very interesting so without further ado let's go on with the show before we start a short word from our sponsors now i have two sponsors for this episode wp rss aggregator and spotlight both of them are wordpress plugins and let me tell you how they work so wp rss aggregator can be used to import information blog posts and other content that is based on rss from other websites and you can use it to create your own website based on this imported content a good example of what you can create can be seen at eurofinanceblogs.com again it's eurofinanceblogs.com this is a website i built with this plugin and you can see how i managed to aggregate all the news items from various uh, finance blogs in europe so that's one of the use cases that i found very useful for wprss aggregator now the other plugin spotlight can be used to import instagram images into your website now this can be useful for your own personal website for example to make sure that when people visit your website they can also see the images you have on your social media in this case instagram and it can also be good for those who are selling products in fact with the pro version you are able to import hashtags which means that when people for example customers take photos with your product and hashtag use the hashtag you can then pick up all those photos and import them into your product website not only that but you have the option to curate those images so only the ones the photos from instagram that you want to show up in your website will do so. So check those products out. It's spotlightwp.com and wprssaggregator.com. Both of them have free versions on wordpress.org and they operate on a freemius model, which means that some features, the pro features are available as a pro premium paid version, which are available on their respective websites. Hi, Frank, and welcome to mastermind.fm. Hi there. Thanks a lot for having me. So um, let's start with a background about you and why you decided to start Lendery and how it works. Yeah, sure. Happy to start with that. Um, yeah, maybe first a few words um, regarding myself. So I um, initially studied something non-finance related and that is philosophy. So I did um, analytic philosophy as my first studies. Then I, I worked in, in a couple of startups 
realized that I'm interested in the whole startup ecosystem and entrepreneurship in general. Then did a master's in the UK in uh, management and entrepreneurship and worked roughly three years in a strategy consulting firm where I started to focus more and more on digitization and data analytics topics. And out of that, and together with a former co-worker, um, we then founded CapTech Analytics, which is also the parent company of Landry. The story of CapTech Analytics is a bit broader and a bit longer than, than Landry itself. So Landry is actually the latest um, product that, that we've been working on, on the main product that we're currently running. And when we started, we started basically as a prop trading firm in the beginning. So we, um, since we were uh, both having a background in data analytics, my co-founder even more because he's also a programmer, um, we started to develop automated trading systems um, first with our own money. And then we uh, went through the lengthy process of starting a, reg a regulator registered fund in, in Germany, actually an alternative systematic investment fund. So that was still pretty traditional. And um, however, on the side, um, we have always been trading crypto because it's a highly volatile market. You have a lot of inefficiency and many nascent new products that were coming up, such as derivatives and so on. And while we were um, engaged in trading crypto, we came across um, um, certain, um, yeah, let's say, in infrastructures or um, types of alternative finance, I would call it, and that we found very interested. And one of those um, was this thing called margin funding. Um, and that's actually where Lendry came into place. And that was last year. And maybe a few words, how we discovered that and, and what it is in its essence. So how we found out about the opportunity of margin funding was by trading crypto ourselves and not only create, trading crypto um, with our own equity, but also engaging in leverage trading. So the same thing that we basically did in when buying ETFs or stocks where you might want to add leverage to your position in order to increase your return on investment. Um, and usually that's something that usually that's a business that brokers or banks as intermediaries take over. So they provide you with capital short, on a short term basis, mostly and collect interest rates in return. And, uh, and on some crypto exchanges, there um, it was a kind of an in financial innovation, I would call it, and taking place where they in the beginning realized they had they were short of capital. So they were basically tech startups allowing people to trade Bitcoin against dollar or Bitcoin against Ether and so on. Um, and they didn't have the capital reserves to provide capital to users in order to engage in leverage trading. So what they did is they built up peer-to-peer -peer markets as said, margin funding activities. And margin funding means nothing else than financing margin accounts of traders um, who are who are interested in engaging in leverage trading. Yeah, once we found out um, that this, these peer-to-peer -peer markets exist, we also, of course, realized that the interest rates that are generated there are generally quite high because the that a trader's willingness to um, pay high interest rates is given, particularly since crypto trading is still highly speculative, very short term, and traders might expect that, that the Bitcoin rises, I don't know, a couple of percentage points actually in a day, so they don't mind paying um, interest rates of a, of a couple of basis points per day on the leverage that they're getting. So we were realizing, okay, that there is something, there's, there's an opportunity, and maybe it makes sense to, uh, in a systematic way, go on the side of the capital lender and not be a trader anymore ourselves. And um, yeah, that was basically the, the core idea of, of Lender where we thought, okay, can we build a product that um, uses this lending opportunity in a highly professionalized and um, uh, systematic way? And what, what came out of this was a software that automates and optimizes the lending uh, of US dollar on a crypto exchange. So basically what Lendry is now in the end, so now I make the, now I close the circle. <laughs> what Lendry is in the end, um, it's a software service 
that you can plug into your own crypto exchange account and automate and optimize your US dollar lending. And why do we focus it on US dollar? Because our aim with the platform is to be attractive to traditional investors um, who want to use this, let's say, new yeah, financial innovation of accessing such a lending market that in the past um, was only accessible for banks and brokers um, without having to hold crypto themselves. So that's, that's a bit of the idea. So it's a, I would call it lendery, I would say a bridge building um, platform between the traditional world where people are looking for alternative passive income or, or, or fixed income elements in their portfolio and um, the crypto sphere where on crypto exchanges, something like peer-to-peer margin funding markets exist that are usually uh, only used by, by people who are very familiar with the space. And we wanted to build a bridge with Lendry and, and educate people on how to access this, also focus on US dollar because that's a currency where, where many investors are active in and, and you don't have any crypto exposure yourselves while doing so. Maybe that will be a short introduction, but I'm sure we will go much yes. deeper. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to, <laughs> to, to... And just not to lose any listeners in the early stages, can we define some terms, especially, for example, margin funding, leverage trading or two you, you were mentioning? And also, like, if there's any difference between basis points or percentage points for those of you who are not familiar, if you could uh, just clear those up. Ah, uh, of course. So maybe start with margin and start with margin funding or margin trading. So margin trading means that you not only trade with your own money, but you also in part uh, trade with a, with a portion of money that you have borrowed. Um, so let's say you have $100 and you want to invest in Bitcoin, then you can do that. If the Bitcoin rises 20%, you earn $20. If you engage in margin trading, however, then you might add another $100 that you borrow on the crypto exchange. This happens automatically. You just say, okay, I want to open a position for $200 and it automatically assigns you the, the remaining $100. And uh, if Bitcoin then rises uh, for 20% or falls for 20%, then of course you have a return on your equity of about 40%. Not exactly because you have to pay a bit of interest rate, of course, for the money that you lent, the money that you borrowed, sorry. Um, uh, but roughly it, it would then double the, the return on your investment in both negative, on a negative side and on a positive side, of course. The risk and return are, are, are symmetric here. So, and why, why is it called margin trading? Because you have a margin of safety, so to say, a margin of your own equity that you need in the account. Yeah. If you want the collateral, so to say, that you need to bring to the table in order to, to leverage it up and to get access to external capital that, that you borrow. Um, and margin funding is just the other side of the, of the coin. So um, margin funding is someone who provides money to traders who then use their money to engage in leverage trading. So that's basically two sides of the same transaction. Um, and the other question was regarding basis points. One basis point is 0.01%. Um, so 10 basis points would be 0.1%. And 100 basis points would be 1%. And these interest rates that I've been talking about, um, they are measured in basis points per day. So these are daily interest rates. And they usually, in margin funding, they range between 3 to 10 basis points. It's quite a wide range, actually. It fluctuates between those points, more or less. And uh, this doesn't sound like much, but if you um, compound that over a year, then you add up somewhere between 10 to 20% um, on an annualized basis. And, and since you can generate these interest rates uh, every day, that's, and you can actually compound it because loans are pretty short term and you can always reinvest the interest rates that you've earned. You actually end up with a, with a double digit return number that we went, once we saw that and, and realized that thought, okay, this is at least from return side, that's super interesting. 
I would maybe later add something from the risk side as well, yes, because that's, that's actually the side that is for investment decisions, maybe even more important. <laughs> but yeah, but maybe starting from there. Maybe as a silly question. Why is basis points used instead of percentage points? For me, it's a bit easier to think in terms of percentage points. Yeah, I, th I think because you would always mention the, uh, the decimal, the decimal places. Okay. So you would always have to say 0 0.05 uh, um, percentage point. But you could, it's basically the same. Yeah, it's just oh, okay. a convention. <laughs> so when we speak about margin trading and leverage trading, we're basically meaning the same thing, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. So, and for those who have tried exchanges like Coinbase and Kraken, I think even on Coinbase, you can do some kind of leverage trading nowadays. You can also do, when you open a new trade, you can set uh, on Kraken, I know it's, I think, up to 10 times leverage. And then there are other platforms which can go up to 100 times leverage. And yeah, later we'll go into the risks. And as Frank mentioned, when you borrow this money for this leverage trade, you start paying a fee that is sometimes called an overnight fee, if I'm not mistaken. So you pay either by the hour or by the day. How does it work? In our case, it's actually an interest rate that is charged daily and it's, um, it's calculated by the minute. It's a minute exact calculation of how long your position was open. But the, the basis for the, for the mathematical calculation is the daily rate. So if you have five basis points per day and, and you have 12 hours, then it's, um, uh, 2.5 basis points. So yeah, let me hand over to, to my dad, Joseph, to see what questions he had from his end. Okay. Uh, first of all, I'm Joseph Galea. I'm over 60, not very savvy with, with technology, the latest one and all these cryptocurrencies. However, over the past years, although initially I must admit I was very skeptical about cryptocurrencies, I got interested, I studied, I discussed, and today, I would say that I am semi-literate about um, cryptocurrencies. I still grapple to understand the fundamentals, you know, the intrinsic value of cryptocurrencies as opposed to fiat currencies. However, I do understand the value of cryptocurrencies in speeding up transactions, financial transactions. And I must point out here that I started working in 1974. It used to take two working days for a transfer from Malta to Germany to arrive. Today, 45 years later, it is the same story. Sure. <laughs> With cryptocurrency, the transaction can be done in five minutes, and that's a huge advantage. My reservation is always, you know, crime and, uh, you know, some shady transactions that can take place via crypto. But on the other hand, it's being regulated over time. And I think that it's going to be, or they are going to be, because there are so many cryptocurrencies, the currencies of the future. Therefore, let's start. When I start hearing about, you know, these electronic wallets and how I manage my investment in Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies. And then I heard about your service, which seems to be at the bridge that you mentioned earlier. Therefore, I don't want this hassle at this point in time of my life. I have the money to invest. If I understand well, I can give it to you in US dollars only, it seems, although this is something that we can discuss. And then I leave it up to you to do the rest. That's very convenient for me. 
even a Viper FE because it eliminates the hassle. Um, if you invest, then you have to keep you know in touch with the market. I don't understand how the cryptos go up and down so violently at times. I try to understand, but still now I have failed. I cannot understand the fundamentals as to why the cryptos go so high and so uh, so low uh, at times. Therefore, for an investor like me, and I would support that there are thousands <laughs> <laughs> similar to me. What do you offer? In yeah, plain, so, simple language. So, so, so to break it down into one sentence, um, what, what we offer is that you don't have to worry about the, the crypto volatility itself, so that if crypto assets go up or down, but you're rather selling the, the means for traders to invest in those, um, to, in those crypto assets, and you earn regardless if markets go up or down. Why? Because your earning streams so or the source of your return is the willingness of the trader to pay for your capital. You do not invest into a volatile asset yourself. You just hold US dollar. You provide US dollar to traders and they pay a fee. It's more a fee-based model. It's not an investment in an asset. It's very important. So it's much more like, you could say it's more like um, selling shovels to gold diggers instead of digging for gold yourself and having the risk if you find gold. <laughs> so so you, you, you earn by selling the shovels, so to say. Okay, therefore, if Bitcoin, for example, I invest in Bitcoin or I give a loan to, to you to trade in Bitcoin. Uh, if the Bitcoin goes up, I get nothing in terms of the uplift. That's true. You only uh, earn the interest rate. That's why your earnings is limited to the interest rate. However, you get it daily and it doesn't matter if the, if the Bitcoin itself goes up or down. And because if the Bitcoin goes down, then the, then the position of the trader is forced liquidated and you, um, and you get your interest rate nevertheless. So that's, that's pretty interesting. So the trader um, covers his losses, of course, because it's his trade. You get your fee regardless. Um, but maybe I'm touching already the risk management side of things, so we will, we will probably get there. <laughs> okay, but does the interest rate get affected by the price of the cryptos? Indirectly, yes. So I would say there are waves of, of interest rates. So the interest rates are formed um, out of um, supply and demand. It's an open market um, mechanism that takes place. Um, so supply are the capital providers, such as in this case yourself, so providing US dollar. And um, this historically is relatively stable compared to the, the demand. So currently we have around 300 to 500 million US dollars daily who are lent um, via our partner exchange Bitfinex. So that's a, that's a main exchange that we are currently working with. Um, on the demand side, however, so on the demand side are the traders. And they might react very, very differently um, g- g- given the current market situation. So if, if you have a bull run, um, then they, they might be willing to pay m- much more than the, the, ra- the range on, uh, at basis points that I, I mentioned before. So they might be willing to, on an annualized basis, pay something like 40, 50 percent or so for the capital that they borrow. Why? Because they think that the Bitcoin within the next day or so will move 5, 6 percent or so. So, so it, it, it almost doesn't matter what they pay for the capital. On the other hand, if markets go down or if markets are sideways or rather boring, there's not much volatility, then interest rates are are also lower because the demand side is a bit uh, more sluggish and and not much is happening. But it's always positive. (laughs) So if markets go down, interest rates... But indirectly, the price of of cryptos does affect the interest rate because of supply and demand, right? Indirectly, yes, definitely. So if, if markets would only go down, interest rates would be lower. Why? Because we only finance long trading. So if long trading, if long trading slows down, then interest rates um, would go down as well and they might go as low. So what we've seen 
in such phases is that it on an annualized basis goes down to five or six percent or so for a couple of months. And then on the other end, it might shoot up for uh, to 20 or even 30 percent on an annualized basis. And on average, you, you end up mostly in the, in the double digit range. Therefore, since 2017, where we saw the crypto surge and then fall and then uh, recover again and then fall again and now they're recovering and uh, <laughs> it's a bullish market at the moment. What is your experience? Well, what was the maximum and the minimum interest rate? Uh, that's uh, that's a tough question. So we have on so so we ourselves have experience with the system since two and a half years, and here we had returns in one year. The lowest was eleven point three or so percent, and the highest was eighteen or so. And currently we are running somewhere in between. And on I think it currently we're running at thirteen point eight percent for this year. This is the range that we are in. So I would say it's yeah, it's mostly between ten and twenty, somewhere between ten and twenty percent. Of course, that has been historic. So historically, it has been even higher. Um, in 2014, 2015, for example, the, the, the rates have, have, have been even higher, but also the volume has been lower. So right now, um, what is interesting is that this is not, um, it's not a niche, I wouldn't call it a, a, a niche opportunity anymore, because as I said, the, the daily volume and dollar alone is pretty sizable. So it's half a billion dollars that, that runs through this uh, every day. That's quite sizable with, the, with those interest rates. And when we're talking about the half a billion, are we mentioning, are we talking about what goes through Bitfinex? Exactly. This is only, I'm, I'm, I'm mentioning one, Bitfinex numbers. One exchange. It's one exchange and it's only US dollar. I mean, you, on the side, of course, you have crypto lending as well. So you can also um, use, you, for crypto holders, they can lend. So there's, there's another huge market that takes place. On the website itself, maybe my dad, I'm not sure if he's seen this page. There's a page with current performance and numbers where... We have the current rate being 16 point something percent, year to date return 8%, and the expected annualized performance is 13.97%. Mm -hmm. uh, further down, you can also see the historical interest rates from Bitfinex. And what's curious, there are some really interesting spikes, which uh, are not the typical spike of 2017 18. Uh, for example, I'm seeing a spike somewhere around May. Mm -hmm. Another one in February, 44.5%, presumably for a day or two there. Exactly. Would you know what these, especially the ones that happened this year, what they represented? To be honest, not really. And we are not studying it. <laughs> um, what we see, however, is at some point there are news or there is some behavioral effects that take place where suddenly a large amount of traders go into long positions all at the same time. And then there is this, this high willingness to pay, to pay these rates. It can also be affected by supply. So if, if let's say there's a, there's a larger capital supplier who pulls out, I don't know, 20, 30 million or so, then it might also have an effect. I can only say that it's demand and supply driven and this is volatile. And what I would say, however, what is important, so this is actually these spikes, so these, these volatilities in the interest rates themselves was one of the reasons why we, why we said it makes sense to use a software. Because if you, if you do that manually, you can do that manually, actually. So you don't need our software to be very transparent. So you can do that. However, you would need to sit in front of the computer 24-7 and every time money flows back, you need to ensure that it's that it's utilized again. Otherwise, you don't compound the interest rates over time. And what would be tough um, in a manual way is um, really capturing these, these extraordinary um, returns that you have on some days. And um, what we've built into our software is a mechanism that recognizes if rates are abnormally high, then you can um, increase the lending period that you're willing to lock in those rates. Actually, our users can can influence influence that themselves. So they can set a certain annualized rate where they say, okay, now I'm willing 
to enter into loans that are longer than the usual period, which is two days. So it's very short term. And, and they can say to lend money in the, those cases up to 30 days. And what this leads to is that the, the interest rates that we, that we generate in Lendry are usually higher than the ones that, um, that Bitfenix, like the raw rates that we show on the website from Bitfenix. This is just something you can get from their API and can download. However, with this, as we call it, rate booster function, you can even improve the rates. But can somebody shop around for interest rates? You, you mean if someone can shop around for interest rates? What, what, how does it? <laughs> what, what do you mean by that? How would it work? Would you uh, be able to give more than other organizations? That's very important. So, um, also, also our position, and this is a good question. And um, where, where do we stand in the whole system? So, um, we do not initiate those interest rates, or we don't set them themselves, but they are set themselves on the um, on the Bitfinex platform, so on the crypto exchange. So there is an existing P2P market where interest rates um, uh, um, uh, are generated. We are just providing a software service, a cloud service, basically, that optimizes the capturing of those returns. So the market is there. You can use the market manually. So you can go to, to Bitfinex, create an account, put US dollars in, and with, with mouse clicks, um, lend out money to traders. You, can do, you don't need us. If you do use us, however... Then you don't have to worry about those all those manual steps, and you can make sure that you get the best optimal return. And and of course, the deal is such that our fees should be lower than the additional return that you get by using our software. So that's the <laughs> that's the idea. So Frank, if I understand correctly, can be seen as an analogy to trading Bitcoin, where you can just go to the exchange, trade Bitcoin yourself, or using the bot platform, the automated bot platform on top, where the bot platform would have certain strategies, if you want, that would try to optimize the trading and also remove you from the equation so you don't have to sit at your computer all day doing the trading. So what you've done is move that to the lending part. Awesome. Yeah, perfect description. I could have pitched it like that. (laughs) Okay, therefore, if I invest the money with you, who is my debtor? Is it you or my balance sheet? What what do I show? A loan to whom? Exactly. To an anonymous trader on the other side of the of the platform. So um, how this works is, so now talking about Bitfinex again, our partner exchange, they have a matchmaking mechanism, pretty simple. Um, uh, it's, 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 it looks like an order book, but basically it is an order book for lending. So what you do as a, as a lender is uh, you put in an order in the order book and which has three properties. First is the amount of money that you want to lend. Um, second is the period that you're willing to lend. And third is the daily rate that you want to charge. Um, and with these three properties, you put in an, an order in the order book. On the other side of the, of the equation is a trader who wants to leverage a position and in his margin account trading says, okay, I want to, let's make the example from before, right? He has equity and at another $100, you provide $100. So what Bitfenix does is it allocates your capital to the trader's margin trade, and the trader can then open a position in, let's say, Bitcoin or Ether with the $200. And 100 of them belong to you. And then over time, um, uh, three, three things can happen. Either the, the trader um, can close the position voluntarily, mainly, hopefully, when he's, when he's, when he's winning with the position. The, the time can be over. Two days can be over, and the, and the position is closed. Or there can be a false liquidation from the platform if the position loses money. And, and maybe I can start to explain a bit. This is important regarding the risk management uh, side of things. What happens in the loss case? Let's take again the example with the $100. So a trader has $100 and borrows another $100 from you. What the worst case that 
could then happen um, from which on you would also lose money would be if the Bitcoin drops uh, for about 50%, right? So if the Bitcoin drops 50%, then his $100 would all be gone. He would be bankrupt, basically, and he could only pay back your $100. If the Bitcoin would drop further, then you would also lose. That would be a credit default situation, classical credit, like we have it in any other lending. And um, now the, the very, very interesting thing, and I think it's more innovative actually than the whole lend, the whole return aspect that we discussed before, is the risk management functionality that the crypto exchange has built in. And how this works is as follows. Should the position, a leveraged position start to fall, then early on this position is liquidated automatically without the trader being able to interfere. So in this example that I just make, this would happen somewhere around minus 15%. So there would be a 35% buffer for the Bitcoin to fall um, before you as a lender would actually lose money, which in fact would therefore never happen. I mean, theoretically, it can happen since a couple of hundred thousand trades that we have done in the last two and a half years, this particular credit credit default um, has never has never occurred, also not partially in any of the positions that we did. And that's very interesting. I, I would say that's from a financial product perspective, that's uh, that's more revolutionary than the return that you can earn um, because you have a situation where, where the collateral uh, is fully liquid all the time. So it's a, it's a huge difference to classical peer-to-peer -peer lending platforms where, first of all, the borrower can run away with your money. So basically you transfer it, it can run away. In this case, it doesn't work because the, the capital can only be used on the platform. So the, the trader cannot buy a car with it or go, or go on holidays. The trader can just, the trader can just buy Bitcoin, Ether and whatnot, nothing else. And secondly, if the trader buys Bitcoin and Ether, um, then those posi positions are liquid 24 seven. Since crypto markets are now Ever closed, so you don't have you don't have any overnight problems, and um, those posi positions can be liquidated at all times. And actually, the exchange is taking care of that already. So yeah, and that and that's a that's I would say from a from the risk side of things, that's um, that's abnormally good for the lender, and because you you don't have an, an a probability based <laughs> risk management system as in classical lending, where you say okay, I need to diversify um, in my peer to peer lending <laughs> across hundreds of borrows, right? You don't have a probability-based system. You have a technological security um, that, that is built in. So you have a technological protection that just liquidates the position without the trader doing anything. And, th and that's interesting. I'm not sure whether I understood you 100%. But then let's go. Let me keep asking you. Okay, let's say the Bitcoin today is 10,000 euros. Yes. yes. I lend 3,000 euros. And the trader would fork out seven thousand yes. euros to buy one Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So, sorry, let me get the let me get the numbers right again because it was an internet uh, connection problem. Okay. <laughs> one Bitcoin today costs ten thousand euros. Yes. The trader would put as his equity seven thousand euros, and I, as a lender, would put in three thousand euros. Say, and who would utilize the three thousand euros that I give him to buy the, this uh, one Bitcoin? Let's mm -hmm. assume that the price of Bitcoin after a couple of days falls to 8,000 euros. Sure. Who's going to suffer those 2,000 euros? How, how does mm -hmm. it work? And how is my investment protected? Yes. Very clear answer. Only the trader would suffer the loss. The trader is the one opening the position. He takes responsibility for the position. If there is a loss, then it the loss is only incurred in the trader's account. The trader's balance is reduced for, in, in this case, and um, if he buys one Bitcoin for 10,000 euros and it drops to 8,000, 
then the trader makes a loss of 2,000. Therefore, I would suffer only if it goes down to below 3,000. Exactly. And this would not, in fact, would not have. So, yeah, mathematically, you are correct. Yes, you would only suffer and you would suffer if it goes <laughs> below 3,000. You're right. Um, however, uh, in fact, it wouldn't happen because before this could happen and roughly, uh, so if it, if it would drop about 20% or so, maybe even a bit earlier, um, the, the exchange would just liquidate the position of the trader. So it would just um, return. Uh, so it would just transfer everything back to US dollar um, or to euro, whatever is happening here. Um, and and pay back your money, and the, and the position would be resolved, and the trader would lock in a loss. That's what what would would happen. Therefore, it's very low risk for me. Exactly for lenders. So so simply looking at the credit default risk side of things, that's that's and I would say that's the that's the innovation. That's why it's interesting for a lender because you have this technological mechanism that can access all the funds at all times, and this is something that you usually don't have in lending, right? In lending, you have a, there's a distance between you and the, and the borrower usually. So you don't have full control. That's why it's risk. And in this case, you, you remain so much more control that you usually have. And that was one of the reasons why we said, hey, wait, wait a second. This could, actually, this could actually be an interesting financial product. If there is a flash crash where the price falls drastically in a term, minutes or seconds, would that affect the lender? Where there's mass liquidations happening. Very good point, and of course, we in the crypto markets we have seen this <laughs> quite a uh, quite a couple of times. In, indeed, so what what the what the crypto exchanges do, or I can speak for Bitfinex um, in particular, is um, they have very very conservative thresholds when these liquidation processes start, exactly to protect against flash crashes that can happen. And um, let's take the one. I mean, the latest one that we have was on, what was it, 12th March or, or 13th of March or so, when, when Bitcoin and other currencies within, yeah, basically half an hour or so dropped for about, I don't know, 25 or 30 percent or so. That was, was massive. But even then, we, we didn't have a single impairment of any position or a full default. And I think what is an advantage to use a platform that has long year of experience. So Bitfinex, for example, is, is in the market since 2012. They're one of the largest. They have a, a, a very good um, technology stack where they're executing those trades. And maybe that's the second part of the answer. What they um, themselves claim to do in their terms of service is that should there be a flash crash that we have never seen before, and we have seen a lot, I would say, in crypto, um, and it has been rather, I would say it has been stabilizing more than it has been more volatile if you compare it to 2013 or 14. So, I mean, there, there have been much more crazy things happening. And what they, what they claim they would do enormous flash crash is they, they say that they would hold trading and first get out of the leverage positions before they resume normal trading. And because they, of course, um, vary of the fact that lent money shouldn't be, shouldn't, shouldn't be burned. So they would, and, and basically in the end, they have the full control of all the trading that happens on the platform and they would prioritize those, those positions over others. But to my knowledge, this has never happened. And so far, the, the, the usual uh, liquidation mechanisms, since they are so conservative, have always worked. Is there a risk that they would run out of dollars in that case? Because they're liquidating so many positions. What do you mean by the run out? I mean, they would not have enough dollars to liquidate the, the crypto positions of the traders. Oh, okay. So my guess, so in this abnormal situation, this fictitious scenario where you would have a flash was, I don't know, Bitcoin dropping 70% in, in three seconds or something like that. Then my guess, what they would do is they would take um, all of the open market orders that traders have put in and they would fill those market orders with any price that is just available. 
So they would so anyone who would, would have put in a market order to buy Bitcoin would get the lowest price that so the, the price that is available, which might then be very, very low. Okay. So there's there's still a theoretical risk in my view. There. Definitely, definitely. So and that's also that's very important. In theory, of course, the lender still and it's also so crypto exchanges make that very clear and they don't they don't take over the responsibility. This is still the usual peer-to-peer lending scenario where the lender in the end has the risk. So should this happen, then money can be lost. What I just highlighted is the fact that um, just how this is set up technically, it's so far, it has it has not happened and it has seen a lot of volatility in the market and never and nevertheless has been stable. Um, so it's very much in favor. Of course, traders are losing all the time. I mean, traders are stopped out constantly. That, that's for sure. I mean, and, but, but that's a job. I mean, but they can also earn a lot, right? They can also be rewarded with, uh, with, with increased return on investments through leverage trading. And um, it's just that this is very much in favor of the, of the lender, how this is set Just to say, uh, uh, another theoretical risk. If Bitfinex goes offline for a day, what happens? Um, yeah, good question. So I, I would say here, here we have some experience. So crypto exchanges, um, since they need to be open 24-7, it's extremely difficult for them to push updates. So other brokerage services or banks or so, they can use the weekends to launch new systems or to update their IT infrastructure and so on. And what, what crypto exchanges usually do is they say they have a, an off time um, that they announce earlier and then there's just no trading going on. So no positions are, are sold or bought. And that's relatively uncritical if it is announced upfront. If it isn't announced upfront, so if it is a DDoS attack or something like that, which we've also seen in the past, and so where involuntarily the crypto exchange goes down, then of course people will be furious. So you will see Twitter feeds and they go, okay, what's going on? Uh, this, is, this is the exchange is not working, so unprofessional and so on. But on, on the other hand, the positions are just frozen on the exchange. So once the exchange is online again, everything is as it is before. I mean, some of the orders might not, might not have gone through. And of course, traders might be stuck with, I don't know, if they're running arbitrage strategies where they need two positions long and short, and they just close one and the other one is still open, then they might suffer losses. So, so there might be these cases where, where, where money gets lost. And, but, um, but, but I would say generally, it's just, and it's just frozen and then, and it appears back. At least that's, also my experience also from our trading what what happens in those instances but i would say that's also pretty important i mean we are now in 2020 this is there's no i mean when did they start 2012 many crypto some christians are even older and they have invested so much in it for infrastructures uh, uh, right now not only in in uptime and to 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 have a reliable service but also in cybersecurity i mean the 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 amount of cybersecurity steps that you have to go through in terms of google two factor authentication that very verification steps the whole kyc procedures also the reliance now more and more on cold wallets instead of having all the assets in hot wallets which which makes it more attractive for hacks to attack these platforms so this is these are all steps that are i would say have professionalized the the industry a lot and of course, now they have the cash flow to invest in those in those mechanisms. So in the beginning, they were small startups, and of course, it w- was easier to to attack them and that things could go wrong. But now, I mean, you could just I mean, just from the numbers that I told you before, and those exchanges are um, are taking fees on all of the transactions. We are just a small software provider. We are taking a sh- shortcut on the side, but they have massive cash flows and they are investing that into um, into IT security as well. Yeah? So to, to recap on the risks, because I think as an investor, like this is the main barrier to entry to something like what you're providing. You mentioned on your own website, the credit default risk, which we've been talking about. 
and the exchange risk, which we've also just touched about with your talk about Bitfinex. Just two tiny points. Um, on the credit default risk, you mentioned that the default risk is almost zero. What makes it not zero? As we discussed just five minutes ago, I would say the, the theoretical possibility that something like what has never happened so far, that should the price really change 70% or so, then it would cut into um, into 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 the lending amount, so into the leveraged amount uh, as well, um, and would not um, stay within the equity portion of the of the position of the trader. And so this, that's why it's, a, it's a still a theoretical possibility. That's also, I would even say also from a legal side of things, you have to mention that still there is a, the lender still has the, has the risk. I would just say from the, from the, from the empirical facts and from the technical setup, it is highly unlikely. That's why I would say it's almost zero. And when we talk about exchange risk, would we, is it the same when doing trading and having your Bitcoin or? Or money on an exchange, like hacks and stuff like that. Exactly, perfect. And and that I, I would say, for, so also from our experience, since we um, let's say we focus this uh, this platform, or we want to make it um, most attractive for traditional investors, I would say once someone has understood the core principle of how the lending takes place and the, uh, how credit default risk is eliminated, then I think the main risk factor, particularly for an, for an investor who is new to the whole ecosystem, is do I really want to have money on a crypto exchange? That's a completely different question. And there are some who say, okay, I would never have money in, in a crypto exchange with a, with, where I don't know the banking partners fully, or they're not in my jurisdiction. They sit somewhere in Asia. Um, I, I have never done something like that before. Of course, that's a separate consideration. Everyone who is on a crypto exchange with some assets, be it dollars, be it euro, be it crypto assets, and has to ask themselves this question. What we would say is once you say, okay, at least for a certain part of my portfolio, I'm willing to engage on a crypto exchange, then it is possible to, without almost any other risk, earn, uh, earn a good return on that. Um, but that, but of course, there is no risk, with, uh, there's no return without risk. And, and uh, crypto exchanges have been hacked in the past. That's for sure. There have been management frauds in crypto exchanges. Um, they most of them don't have insurances for their assets so far. So it's still, if you compare it to banks or to classical uh, traditional financial institutions, and um, it's still a long way to go. On the other hand, so yeah, our assessment is always so. How how does it really look like internally? Because it's a bit sad to always quote this example, but <laughs> the, the example here from Munich, actually, Wirecard <laughs> was a company <laughs> which, which um, ticked all the boxes in terms of, in terms of um, on the regulatory side. So they had all kinds of licenses were, were operating internationally and, they just, and it was just fraudulent. Yeah, so we would, I, would, I would look much more on the, on the, on the actual operations, what's, what's really going on. And, and this seems to be very, very advanced. And also, if you compare it to to traditional brokers, what what in many crypto exchanges happen, but not only on Bitfinex. I mean, if you look at if you look at massive investments that Binance is doing, um, other custody services, how far this is developed. Some actually have insurances now now included. So Lloyd's, for example, is insuring some of these providers. I think there's a lot pointing into a direction of professionalization because all of these players know this is a a big piece of cake um, that, 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 they are, that, that they want to have. And institutional investors will only come in if this improves all the time. But once it happens, the interest rates go down. This could be. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, that's, a very good, that's a very good point. I think we are currently 
um, still in a sweet spot, I would say, um, where um, exchanges are mature enough already that this really works and also on a scalable in a scalable manner. And on the other hand, um, it's not mainstream enough that, let's say, large insurance companies or pension funds say, okay, we, we put in four or five billion dollars of US dollar into Bitfinex and we are fine with it with interest rates of, I don't know, 2.5% because <laughs> because for, for US government uh, bonds, we get less. So this is not a situation that we currently have. Should this happen, then then I guess that interest rates would go down. So I think this is happening now, but it's also happening for years already. So this can can still take another 10 years, I think, before insurance companies will put money on it. It's a window of opportunity available at the moment. And I'm sure that uh, many investors uh, are still not yet confident enough about uh, these crypto exchanges. However, I, I think that with more regulation coming in, etc., I think it, it becomes safer and safer. Okay, Frank, um, therefore, if somebody would want to invest, number one, we are in a euro country. There are many other eurozone countries uh, in Europe. Can we invest in euros, not in dollars? to eliminate the exchangers. Good question, yes. Um, yeah, so the, the unfortunate answer so far is, is no. You would need to hedge your, your US dollar position um, if, you, if you would want to do so. So if you don't want to take the FX risk, and then you would need to hedge it separately. Uh, why is that the case? And um, it's, it's a simple answer, because euro, euro to crypto market by a multitude smaller and, uh, and have less volume than the US dollar markets. So U.S. dollar, um, stablecoin, and and Japan yen um, are still the um, are still the, the main markets um, for for crypto. You only have these volumes and these high rates in U.S. dollar as we have it right now. If you have it on other platforms, you have it in stablecoins. So in something like USDT or or Binance US, USD or something like that. Um, but U.S. dollar uh, for U.S. dollar, it's working much better, and you have these rates. Um, yeah, but nevertheless, you can of course hatch your FX risk on the well, side. Well, maybe at the moment with a weak dollar, there is another opportunity there. Could, yeah, but, but okay, but but that's a different kind of speculation. I would not advise on a, on a, an FX <laughs> speculation, but you can't. But you can do that. <laughs> no, no. What I what I would say is, if you plan, if you would invest into a into a lending mechanism like that for long term, then I would be less critical because I would say, okay, it's unlikely that the that the dollar uh, depreciates more than 10% year after year for the next 5 years so that's that at least is an unlikely scenario so if you <laughs> tend to um, stay stay into a lending like this for long for longer term then, then then it shouldn't be that critical but yeah but you can also hedge it step number 2 <laughs> and a barrier on uh, nationality yeah and um, so hey. as i said Age, no, age, age would be interesting. Yeah. Age, actually, I don't know. Yeah, probably there's something in the terms of service that you need to be an adult. Yeah. I haven't looked that up. Whether you are um, a knowledgeable investor or not, that's another good point. Yeah, good point. And um, so, so basically, in terms of the account, so that, that's very important. And there are two things that that, that an investor has to do. So, the first thing is an investor needs to create their own account um, on um, the partner in crypto exchange. Currently, that's Bitfinex. We're currently in, in talks with others actually to expand that. So it could, could be others in the future, but it's not ready ready to be announced yet. Um, so create an account on, on Bitfinex, go through the KYC proce- procedure, um, and everything that's in the terms of service of the crypto exchange is relevant for the investor. In order to have a crypto exchange account, you don't need to be an accredited investor. So, so actually, most of the trading is, as we know, is um, uh, t- uh, is done by by so-called retail traders, so kind of the average guy. 
Um, for Bitfinex and for many other crypto exchanges, there's one limitation in terms of nationality, and so they don't accept U.S. Uh, customers. That's one of the yeah one of the limitations that many crypto exchanges have, and uh, Bitfinex also has it. Um, however, for European investors or from other countries, that's not that's not an issue. So that's the first step. You need to have an account Bitfinex, and then what you do is on Bitfinex, um, you transfer dollar to the to to your account, um, and also this is your account. So this is your um, your login, your password, and and your authentication. We never have access to that. What you then do is you create uh, an a so-called API key. That sounds technical, but actually it's three clicks. It's it's pretty simple. What an API key, so it stands for um, Automated Programming Interface. What it does is um, it gives access to our software, but in a very limited and predefined way. So what you do when you create the API key, you say, this API key should give a, an electronic program, so a, a software, access to my margin funding. So you can just, there's a drop-down menu, you can say, okay, what, what should the API be able to do? And you just say, okay only for margin funding, not for trading, not for withdrawing of the money, not for transfers, not for anything, just for this. Once you have that, then you create an account on Lendery. This is much easier. <laughs> so this is, this is um, so it's a three-step three process, just your, just your name and your, and your payment details because you're using the, it's a paid service, so you want to use the service. Um, and, and then you paste in your API keys and then you're done. So you once have a setup of Bitfinex account, your Lendery account, you paste your API key um, and and then you're done. What does it mean? Uh, from then on, you basically never need to touch again. Watch uh, in your in your personalized Lendry dashboard that you then have access to with your password. And um, you can watch um, all of the loans that are taking place, your current balance that is that that you have on on, on Bitfinex, and um, yeah, and base also, also you can download your tax reports. And you can have um, yeah some analytics that we do. So how have the rates been? And you can. Um, influence these rate booster functionality that, that we discussed before and, and so on. Yeah. But basically, these are the two steps. But before we arrive at this stage, you yeah. mentioned the Know Your Client, which we are all familiar about. How complicated it is? To set this up? Yeah. I would say overall, I would say, so the net, the net time that you need, I would say, is 15 to 20 minutes um, to, to set it up. What we did is we, we did write a guide um, on how to do it. Um, they are, they are also, uh, published on our platform that you can just follow with screenshots and everything. So also for someone, because I said we want to address, um, people, um, who have, have not any experience with crypto. Uh, so you can use these guides. What we also offer is, is actually sessions where we help people setting it up. So if you, uh, what do you need? Police certificates, source of wealth? You, no, you don't need it. No, it's a, it's a classical KYC. So what you need is a, is a, is a passport. Um, and and a document that verifies your um, verifies your address. So it should be an official document that your address um, matches with the one that you that you mentioned in the in the application process. Um, but that's I would say it's a standard process. So it's proof it's a of bit, residence, proof of residence exactly. So it's it's a bit similar if you would want to open a bank account. So all of these crypto exchanges they have to have these KYC procedures in order to protect themselves against money laundering. And crypto exchanges take it very seriously, which I think, which I think is good. It's actually a step towards yes. this professionalization because in the, in the earlier days, and um, you know, all kinds of, as you mentioned before, Jean, and um, all kinds of money laundering and, and financing of criminal activities and so on could go on by crypto exchanges. And they want to, they want to stop that and actually did, did do that a couple of years ago already. Um, yeah. So you have to, to go through these standard processes, but then, but then you're done. And then basically you, 
then you don't need to worry about it anymore. But it is a setup process. <laughs> what is the minimum investment? And so in this solution that we currently have, this managed account solution, it's it's it yeah, you can start with hundred dollars. So it's basically there's no minimum. Yeah, there's a technical minimum, is I think it's fifty-five dollars or so for for a loan. But yeah, but basically there's no minimum, and you can freely we can freely you can start with 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 a small amount, try it out two or three weeks, and see how you like it, and if if everything works, and then and then increases it. Well, we have many users who have who have who've done it like that, so they start with um, I don't know two or three thousand dollars, and and if it works, then they then they increase um, their, their balances. Exactly. Just to touch on the KYC thing. I would like to point out that the KYC and AML would be handled by Bitfinex. True, okay. completely. So, so, so very important. To, to repeat, um, Lendery sits on top of Bitfinex. A lot of the things we have been discussing are actually related more to Bitfinex than to Lendery. So Lendery is not a platform in itself, but a service that improves the trading for you and gives you the returns. So the KYC, for example, on Bitfinex, you can sign up for a personal account, which is, as Frank mentioned, simple. Or you can have a corporate account where they will ask for more documents and it takes one or two weeks to get everything approved. So that's typically, it's, I think I would say it's standard for most exchanges to ask for those documents and take that long. Yeah. Yeah, that's very important that you mention that because also from a legal point of view, that's important because we, um, as Landry, we don't, um, we never have any assets from users in, in our account or, or in one of our entities or so. We also don't transfer money on behalf of users. And we also don't do asset management on behalf of users. We are actually just a, a, a software a software provider that you that you plug in like any other software as a service tool. That's, that's very important. It's a, it's a crucial distinction, yes. Okay, with regards to tax. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I'm in Malta or Italy or England or Spain, whatever. Yeah. And uh, I get the return, the interest. True. Do I get a certificate and uh, would tax be only payable in my country? Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, exactly. So, so how it is so very important. So, I, I cannot like legally, I cannot give tax advice because we don't have a license for that. But what we what we asked um, <laughs> a tax uh, uh, office, of course. Um, is that it's this is um, this is capital gains tax that, that applies there. So it's like any other interest rate that you would would generate. Um, this falls at least I can I can definitely speak for Germany falls under the capital gains. Um, Why capital gains not not interest? Uh, is so, it so, passive so, passive income? I think it's passive income, no interest income. Sorry, it's interest income. Did, did I say sorry? It's interest income. Definitely, it's not an appreciation of an asset. That's exactly the distinction that I made wrong. <laughs> it's, it's not. An, it's not an no appreciation problem. of an asset. Yeah, it's classical interest rates, and um, that uh, that you that you achieve in US dollar. What we do is, um, we what we highlight is for every day that you are active on Lendry, and um, you get one amount of interest rate that you earn per day. So in the end, if you do it one year, you have three hundred sixty-five dollar amounts that you can down download in a list and make a sum and, and say, okay, this is, the, this is the total interest rate that you've generated over the year. And what we also offer is, of course, is a daily calculation in your base currency. So if your base currency is euro, we take the daily euro dollar exchange rate and calculate the euro amount. And then you make a sum of, of all your 365 euro amounts. And this is the sum that you, um, where, where you go to your um, uh, tax authority and say, okay, this, this is the interest rate that I generated. And then you have to pay your um, your tax on that, and th- and that's how it, that, that's how we, we have been doing it so far. 
And how easy is it to liquidate? Let's say something happens to me and I need the money very quickly. And I have, I don't know, $10,000. I want to liquidate tomorrow. Yeah. Exactly. It's a good point. Liquidity is a, is, a, is a huge topic that we haven't touched. And it's actually one of the prominent and I would say important features of this, of this investment opportunity that it's really, really liquid. So on average, as I said before, um, the, the, most of the positions um, are only, have a period of only two days. So the maximum duration of the average loan is two days. Only if you say if certain thresholds are crossed in terms of the annualized interest rates, you're willing to extend that to 30 days. But that's the maximum that is possible on the platform. More is not possible. But most, if you don't want to have that, then the maximum is two days. In fact, what happens is that your loans come back even earlier. Why? Because traders might stop the position and then you get it earlier. It might be sometimes might be four hours. It might be 30 minutes and it might be, it might be eight hours or something like that. I think the average we calculated at some point is 1.2 days or so. And I, we have calculated a, a year ago or so. And so what does it mean for you? It means if you plan to withdraw your money, so you want to stop um, being invested in, in, in that system and um, you would just um, tell our, our our software in your personalized dashboard, you would just say um, stop the lending bot um, or stop it only for parts of your position. So you could also have a reserved amount that you want to protect where you say, okay, this is, this is um, um, I don't know, let's say you have 50,000 I mean, in your account and, and 25,000 you want to, to, to reserve. What would then happen is that all the loans that come back would be accumulated until the point of 25,000. And this would then not be touched and the, and the lending software would not use that again. And then you can just withdraw it from Bitfinex. I think this is another very important selling point. It because is. Because if you invest, uh, you know, with, with banks or in a bond and you want to sell quickly or liquidate quickly, you lose money for sure. That's true. It's, it's actually, it's, that's the, that's, so we, we, in the beginning, we said it's a, um, it's a triangle of features that we liked. So it's, it's relatively high return. It's no downside volatility and it's daily liquidity. So the, and this, this is a combination of features that we didn't find in any other financial product. And that's why we said, okay, let's, let's go for it. Great. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Well, many, many questions. I liked it a lot. <laughs> very good. Very deep. <laughs> Frank, if I, if I don't know if you have more time, I have a few more sure. questions. Should, sure. Yeah. I go good. through them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So, uh, as an investor, from what we've discussed, I guess my biggest concern would be working with Bitfinex, to be honest. So to give a bit of background, Bitfinex has a bit of, I would say a bit, it's a bit shadier than other exchanges. So my concerns would be its involvement with the whole Tether, stablecoin, and the, the controversies around that. There have been some hacks. The fact that it's based in Hong Kong, headquartered in Hong Kong, but it is registered in, uh, in the British Virgin Islands. So all these things, when I would invest, make me feel a bit uncomfortable. So why did you choose Bitfinex? Do you have any plans to integrate with other exchanges? How would you address these concerns? Exactly. Yeah, yeah very, very good point. I mean, yeah, as I said before, I think, yeah, Bitfinex is definitely in, in, in the, it's a, it's a typical crypto exchange in the sense that there are regulatory concerns and um, like for, for many others as well. Bitfinex in particular, because the parent company, as you pointed out, is also involved in the Tether project. So they initiated the Tether project. And within this Tether project, which is a separate project, it's a, it's a stable coin. And there are legal accusations um, that there might be 
so that actually Tether is not backed by real US dollar. And so this is a long, this is an own podcast. So this is a yeah. long, a long, a long story, Tether story. And um, of course, we know about that. And what, but of course, we are just focusing on the Bitfinex exchange. That's a, it's just a separate, like, like a separate startup. It's a separate comp, uh, uh, project. And our experience always was from a, from technical reli- reliability. Also, from their um, management of a previous hack that they had in 2016, was that they're actually behaving very reliably and behaving very well um, in the crypto sphere. Also, they're they're pretty experienced. They're old, so all of these things that we discussed before regarding volatility, flash crashes, and so on, they have seen it all, and they have built systems that that can that can deal with that. And so that's maybe maybe a short point regarding the hack. What they did in 2016, they reco- in the end recovered uh, all of the all of the stolen money, which is which was a really good move. So we didn't have that on, in in all of the other crypto X that we have. So I would say, compared to what has already happened in the crypto sphere, I would and say they behaved. Just they to point out, quite. it was around 70 million US dollars, so it was no small hack either. No, it was it was large hack exactly. And what they initially did was they said, okay, there's a haircut. On all of the accounts, but then they raised money and and compensated all of the stolen money. And um, what I also know from Bitfinex is that they that they continuously invest in a so-called war chest. It's kind of their own internal insurance fund to protect themselves against against tax. But also, I would say probably even more important than these financial protection mechanisms are really technical um, uh, protection mechanisms, where they have most of their assets now in in cold wallets and they don't have it on the exchange. Um, so, it, so that even if there should be a hack, the amount of assets that you can that you can access by stealing private keys would be would be um, probably much lower than on, on on many other exchanges, or at least on smaller exchanges. But I, but I don't want to. So I'm not so deep into the into the whole cyber, cyber security thing. I don't want to <laughs> say anything wrong there. Yeah, but to, regarding your question, do we want to uh, connect to other exchanges, and why haven't we done so? Bitfinex has um, an, this interesting aspect of Bitfinex beyond the reliability is that they have an open market mechanism for interest rates. So what you see here is that that you have these spikes upwards in interest rates, and that's super attractive to capture with the software. There are other exchanges who offer peer-to-peer markets, um, for example, such as Binance or Poloniex. Poloniex, for example, is much smaller. The rates are the rates are worse. And Binance is something that we are where we are currently um, considering to include them. Um, they work a bit differently. So Binance um, uh, is more centralized, and they give you a fixed rate for a certain period of time, and then they charge the the trader. On the other hand, they charge more, and they live from the spread. So they are capturing, let's say, all of the all of the um, the, the the upside potential there. Whereas Bitfinex is just charging a fee for themselves, and they and they leave an open market mechanism, which is attractive. But but yeah, you're, so definitely very good point, and we we definitely want to extend to other uh, crypto exchanges as well. Not all of them are offering that. For example, Coinbase is not offering a peer to peer lending market. Kraken is. Um, somehow offering one but not as openly as as binance and bitfinex so it wouldn't be it wouldn't be able to plug uh, plug a software into that and also um yeah also the rate structure is very different so yes answer is yes that's that's definitely one of the one of the next uh, steps ahead for us to to include others as well one of the biggest issues that i've encountered with people who want to get into crypto is getting like some type of banking partnership both in terms of the exchanges but also from private individuals and corporations who want to send money to exchanges right 
there are many banks that prohibit the transfer to exchanges. So that might be a problem with sending money to Bitfinex. And especially if you want to make the conversion from euro to USD and then to send it over to Bitfinex. So for example, if I use a service like TransferWise, that would be blocked as far as I know. How are people getting over this hurdle? Good point. Very, very important point. And yeah, so basically there are two ways of accessing um, uh, Bitfinex in a particular case, but I think it's very similar for other exchanges as well. Is And the first one is um, you can you can access a crypto exchange via crypto, of course. So if you anyway have crypto or if you um, um, have uh, your, your fiat currency on any crypto exchange already, then it's super simple. You can just um, transfer your fiat to a crypto currency and then send it to your wallet within Bitfinex. So I mean, the easiest, probably fastest way to do it is via Ripple. So you could take your euro or, or dollar or whatever you have on a crypto exchange and transfer to Ripple and then Ripple to Bitfinex. And on Bitfinex, you then transfer to a dollar and then you're, then you're done. And why, um, why would you choose uh, Ripple in this case? Yeah, no, just uh, you could also use Bitcoin. I mean, it's just if you want to minimize exposure, you should use a um, currency that has fast transaction times. And Ripple is just much faster than Bitcoin. Bitcoin takes about, I don't know, 15 to 20 minutes. Why not a stable coin though? You could use a stable coin as well. True. You can, you can do that as well. I think you cannot trade from, for example, Tether directly to dollar on Bitfinex. You would need to check that. Very good point. Um, so you would need, you need to make sure that you don't have <laughs> too many circles, right? Because it's, it's, you're always collecting commissions um, or you're always spending commissions and exchanges are collecting them. <laughs> and so you, you, you want to make sure that, that it's, it's as, as, as direct as possible. But with a, yeah, with Dash or a Ripple or so, this is, it would work quite quickly. And um, so that's, that's one way. The other way is, um, you can make direct fiat deposits on Bitfinex. Um, this can be in euro and dollar. We would, course recommend in dollar because then that's the currency where you will be working with um, and uh, yeah and 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 you just request the the banking and put in your account number and make a swift deposit so an international bank deposit to the banking partner of, of bitfinex and that that also works quite well i think bitfinex is only accepting um or they're recommending to only use that service um from ten thousand dollar upwards so for anything below ten thousand dollar it's much it's much easier and also less costly to to go um, through a crypto transfer. Uh, but for both ways, we also um, included the, the relevant steps in our guides. So this is also something where we went to both and, and made screenshots and everything that you can follow. So for those who have problems with their banks, there is no clear solution yet unless they are verified on another exchange. True, but but I would say most. So, so we have had users with all kinds of European banks um, um, who have made transfers and and yeah so any bank that that can engage in a swift transfer should be able to transfer to that bank they are um, able they just don't want to do that so some, exactly it might be it might be that your bank tells you okay no I don't want to transfer that that, that can be that can be but we, but but it's not but it's not just I wouldn't say that's the standard case so what we've seen that's not that's not a standard particularly not I mean definitely not for for German users that we have seen it a lot here um this this should in most cases work yeah it's funny that uh, binance for a while was claiming it was based on malta but all maltese banks prohibit transfers to crypto exchanges so (laughs) (laughs) okay one other question why don't you allow the trading with stable coins why usd only i mean you mentioned why usd versus euro but why not stable coins it's a good question and two reasons 
Um, first is the, the, the rates are continuously better. So on average, if you look at a, on a, on a month by month basis, the rates in US dollar are, 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 are just better. And they're all, they're actually also better than for, for most crypto assets. So, so that's, that's also non-stable coins. And uh, that's, that's reason number one. Reason number two is, um, because we want to, um, be attractive for traditional investors, as I said. And if we can offer, um, uh, a way of, in, of investing in, uh, so only having US dollar, which is a, something that traditional investors know then it's then it's more attractive than needing to worry about stable coins which is still on the blockchain and it's a cryptocurrency so we thought um in this in this in the spirit of being a bridge builder we thought us dollar would be more accessible what do you think about the whole DeFi movement uh that's been all the rage in recent months and or do you have plans to integrate into any uh, decentralized good exchanges. Point. Good point. Yeah, we are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a that's a very, that's a very valid thought. So we are actually talking a lot about that. What what could be other next steps than just um, uh, just uh, the volume uh, is huge. It's just it's, it's crazy. huge. Exactly. So so my so my overall view is 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 the following. So I would say if you look at the the development of blockchain, really with the with the invention of Bitcoin two thousand eight, I would say up till until yeah, let's say the last one or two years. There have only been two business models uh, based on the blockchain that have actually worked and they've actually produced profits. The first one was mining and the second one was crypto exchanges. So nothing else. So basically decentralized apps of, of some sort didn't, didn't work so far. We don't have them in, in our everyday life. There's no competitor for Facebook, Twitter, Uber. So that's blockchain based just doesn't exist. This platform moment has not been there. What I would say for decentralized finance is. This is a third uh, angle that is now 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 really get, getting uh, getting into shape, and is is really becoming interesting. And there are yeah a couple of billion dollars that are run in these decentralized finance application. Actually, I think um, MakerDAO or Dai is is the most used Ethereum application um, uh, right now already. We see ourselves as somewhere in the middle of exchanges and decentralized finance. So it is it is some sort of new finance um, uh, that 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 we're using. I would. To be honest, see us more in, um, let's say, a, a, a profit-sharing mechanism with exchanges because, in the end, the fees that, that we generate are generated on exchanges, and we try to make that accessible to more people and really uh, kind of open up this peer-to-peer -peer market, this peer-to-peer -peer lending market. And so I would say we are somewhere in between the, these, 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 uh, the second and the third step of of business models that actually make money on the blockchain <laughs> if you if you want to if you want to tell that story um yeah but do we want to do we want to to expand beyond margin funding into something like for example crypto crypto backed loans so there are many platforms doing that um th the question is we're we're currently actively looking at that yes <laughs> <laughs> very good all right i i don't know if there was something else from uh, my dad's side I think it has been very exhaustive, <laughs> very interesting. Well done, Frank. Yeah, sure. I mean, thanks to you. Thanks to you. You were you were leading the discussion and 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 had actually very very insightful questions. And uh, I, I could really see that you um, that, that that you were interested in the product and and also spent some time. And, and I'm very thankful for that. We did. We did. <laughs> All right. So to conclude, um, where can people get in touch with you, Frank? And how can they get started if they're interested to take the step? Exactly. The platform itself is called Lendry.net, L-E-N-D-A-R-Y.net. Um, and yeah, you can reach myself at frank at Lendry.net um, at any time if you have any any questions. Um, yeah, of course, we're also on, on, on Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, happy to 
any feedback or questions. And we are still also in a situation where we where we try to answer um, all of the <laughs> questions that we get and, and also, as I said before, interact directly with users. So if anyone said, okay, I want to try this out, but I've never had an account on a crypto exchange and I'm a bit scared, um, no worries. We can we you know, make an appointment and, and, and lead you through it. So we have we have done that multiple times. And um, yeah, and as I said, we want to be bridge builders, so we also have to act on that. Excellent. Thank you very much, Dan, for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot for inviting me. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Mastermind.fm. If you liked what you heard in today's episode, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your feedback encourages us to keep producing the kind of content that you have come to rely on for your own entrepreneurial journey. And if you have a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the show, send it to us through our website or via email at podcast at mastermind.fm or even connect with us on Twitter at mastermind.fm. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a fantastic week.